Hello friends, welcome to episode number five of Tiptoe Hippos podcast that we affectionately call Hippos at the Waterhole. This week we're talking about holdout data and its role is the probably the primary strategy or primary method in preventing you from putting unrobust trading strategies live. So what we'll do today is talk about um, how we manage historical data and we partition it into trading and holdout sets and how that avoids putting overfitted models into live trading. Um, we'll go through the risks of overfitting and explain how holdout data prevents that from occurring and we'll look at considerations about how to optimally use your holdout data because this is a scarce resource and it must be used correctly so that you can get the most out of it. And if we, by the end of it, you're you've got a good grasp of the critical significance of holdout data, then you're well on your way to be able to create adaptable and profitable trading systems that will be poised to take advantage of the unpredictability that live markets present to us. So the first thing we need to to think about is overfitting and understand what overfitting is because that way then we'll be able to realize why having holdout data prevents overfitting from um, making it into our live trading if we use the holdout data method. So as we've talked about often in Tiptoe Hippo and on our blog is overfitting models is basically making profits from quirks in the historical data. So experts describe it as the excessive tuning of training to data intricacies that results in strategies that shine in back tests yet unravel in live trading. So we've all had it. We built this fantastic system that in back tests, the line just only goes up and then when it gets put live, the line plummets and collapses. So that's what we want to avoid is that line from collapsing when we go live. So a good test to find out if that live line will go south is to use holdout data. So for example, a currency strategy developed on 10 years of data from say 2010 to 2020 gets that line that just goes straight up. However, when it's put live in 2021 without using any out of sample testing you're very very likely to find that it'll start losing money and you'll have to shut it down as it drains your account and so that's what we don't want to happen we don't want live money to be thrown away on overfitted unrobust systems so what we need to do is understand the value of the holdout data. So the holdout data is the single most vital safeguard against putting 
these systems that will fail when they get put on live markets because they're overfitted. Training data builds the strategy logic. Now the holdout data then serves as an untouched benchmark for evaluating the readiness of that system to be put live. So what we want to do is see consistent performance on both training and pristine holdout sets because this indicates that there's promising resilience with the system. That's to say that the model has captured a durable and ongoing pattern and isn't just making its profits from historical noise through a lucky coincidence. So the uncompromised holdout integrity of the well, the uncompromising integrity of the holdout, so only using it once, is paramount for developing strategies that are going to be robust beyond their training data sets. So for the dynamic real world in forward trading, robust systems must operate effectively on this fresh holdout data. So another way to think about the holdout data is as a time machine. So it's an analogy that I've used before, and I think it's rather apt. So imagine the holdout data. So in the example above, we trained the data from 2010 to 2020, and then we had our holdout data from 2020 to 2022. Now, this two-year partition of recent history that is pristine and never used in development allows us to simulate traveling forward in time and deploying our trading strategy in essence a live demo test. But instead of taking two years to judge how this system goes, it can happen almost instantly. So if we have three years of data, 2020, 2021, and 2022, designated as our holdout, then it's as if we could instantly run those three years as if we were trading it live. But the results obtained in the holdout period would mimic the real-world performance from those three years as if the system had actually traded in history in a forward-moving timeline where one minute equals one minute and one day equals one day. But of course, the advantage of having this holdout is that those three years can happen in nearly an instant when we test our system on this holdout data. So this time machine effect enables a comprehensive validation in a fraction of the clock time. So rather than trading for live for months or years before realizing that we've got issues, it's overfit, that it struggles in particular markets. The holdout test teleports results from the future to us in seconds, and we can instantly gain unbiased, realistic insights into how the strategy would have handled new and unfolding market conditions that it hadn't seen before. So like assessing a time traveler returning with future knowledge, evaluating the performance on the holdout period provides invaluable glimpses into the robustness of the strategy. The simulated glimpse, let's say, 
guides us into if we've built the system that's robust enough to withstand the tides of time. So not just overfit the artifacts of historical data, but if we use this judiciously, hold out time machines, grant us the gift of foresight to create better strategies. Or maybe not better strategies, but at least prevent us from going live with poor overfitted strategies that will cost us a great deal of our funds. Now, something that I've touched on multiple times so far is this idea of preserving holdout integrity. Now, there's a number of aspects of that. So I'll go through them one by one, but what we need to remember is that we are restricting the access to the holdout data because otherwise we will inadvertently bias our modeling choices. So what we want to prevent is the system from recognizing patterns and optimizing to the holdout data. So what we want to do is never look once at the holdout data when building the strategies. It's purely saved for when you've selected that one strategy or those collection of strategies in your portfolio. It's reserved for the very last step before you go live, you put it on the holdout time. And then that way you get a good idea of how that system performs live. The goal is in minimizing, the goal in this sense is minimizing the exposure to the holdout data in any form before the final validation of our system. So we need to maintain its integrity as the paramount consideration when using holdout. It is something that you only use very exceedingly sparingly. And it's used as an impartial performance benchmark simulating new fresh data as if it was traded live. So even slight biases from even limited exposure can undermine the sanctity of this precious resource. And Make no mistake, holdout data is your most precious resource in making sure that overfitted strategies do not make it into your live account. So as touched on, we're using it one time and one time only as an impartial final assessment. So the best practice is to use holdout data only once for a final assessment after all your development is complete. If you iterate it and use it multiple times in your development cycle, even if that's just two, three, ten times, it degrades the objectivity of the results that you're obtaining. So if you're running your system on its holdout data and then going back making a tweak and then running it again 
it's no longer holdout data. It's no longer representative of how that strategy would perform on unseen markets because you now have adjusted it and it is a seen market and therefore not true holdout. And so if you use it earlier than the final impartial decision, then you're biasing your decision-making. It depletes this very valuable data set. The one-time final assessment prevent, preserving the integrity is the ultimate unpolluted referee on if your strategy is overfitted or not overfitted. Now, the next thing to consider with your holdout data is do you have enough data to mirror live markets? So when you're selecting your holdout data and your trading data by proxy, what you want to have is enough samples so that the holdout set realistically approximates live market conditions. So that way then we can prevent overfitting to a particular type of market. So let's say you've traded, you, you've um, trained it in a bear market. If then you also have your holdout in a bear market and there's no bull market in there, then is that really a good holdout set of data that will give it a good test on what sort of future data it might see in an unseen way or a previously unseen way. So the holdout data, like I said, simulates live, fresh new data that the strategy will encounter. So if the holdout data is too limited and doesn't have all the different aspects that it might see in the future, then it hampers the mimicry of the real world, which is what we want it to do. So insufficient samples mightn't cover all the market scenarios which we want. So the longer the holdout period, the better um, effect it does of mirroring or mimicking live trading. And so in the example above, we had three years of holdout data. So I would recommend at least 18 months, but the closer you can, the more that you can get after that, the more robust and the more confident you can be in your trading system. So the partitioning between training and holdout um, is a little bit of an art form. You want samples allocated to both purposes because they'll both impact the overall quality of your system. You obviously want in your training data to see all different types of markets so that the system can learn how to trade, find that edge in all different kinds of markets. And you also want your holdout period to have all sorts of different types of markets within it so that you can test its overfitted or its lack of overfit, its robustness in all sorts of live markets too, or unseen markets. Now, what 
I hinted at before and I'll talk about here again is to avoid any tweaks or modifications on your strategy based on reviewing its holdout performance. Now that's critical. It's basically if it fails the the holdout tests, if you run your strategy on a holdout period of data and it fails, then it's time to throw that data away. The purpose of holdout is in assessing the performance in a purely out of sample sense. It's got nothing to do with further fine tuning. Any incremental improvements you make to your system at this stage is just leading to overfittedness. Even minor tweaks introduce overfitting bias in some way, be it big or small, and you're implicitly ruining the whole concept of holdout performance. So you cannot change your system. You can only either accept it to be able to be run live or you reject it and throw it out and begin your development again. Of course, the cautious interpretation of uncertainty remains. So what I mean by that is when the results come in, you can't take the holdout results as a guarantee of future performance. So that's that old sort of risk thing that you see on, on websites that past performance doesn't is not indicative of future performance. So while the holdout mimics live trading, we can't say that the holdout period will again continue into the future. And so we need to interpret the results cautiously and recognize that it's not perfect and some uncertainties will remain. So although it's insightful, for gauging model robustness and overfitting out of sample results aren't an infallible crystal ball. The future will bring unseen market conditions again that are different to those on the holdout. We've only got a finite set of historical data set. The world keeps changing. Financial markets keep changing. And so we use appropriate techniques like significant testing, bounds, forecasting, drawdown, probability estimates, use portfolio theory to supplement the holdout testing to bound expectations amidst the uncertainty that trading is known for or the uncertainty problem that a whole basis in algorithmic trading is set upon. So by understanding the holdout limitations, we can extract the important insights that we want and need and require from using holdout data without over extrapolating the specifics. So we can't say that, oh, because we return 10% on a drawdown of 5% over our holdout period that we can expect 10% returns and 5% drawdowns going forward. That's not what this, the holdout does. What the holdout does is say that we have likely found a um, 
underlying market condition that we can exploit. Will that market condition continue? Perhaps or perhaps not. But up until the end of the holdout data, we have shown that it does. So let me just wrap this all up and talk about what we talked about at the beginning, and that's that you must preserve holdout data and its sanctity as a one-use, indispensable time machine to test your algorithmic trading strategy. It mitigates overfitting risks. It maintains an opportunity to assess the strategies that you've made against data that for all intents and purposes mimic live trading. It's like having the time machine. You can develop on 2010 to 2020, then you can run 2020 to 2022, and those two years or three years are going to result in trading profits, trading losses, an equity line that resembles what the trading would have actually been had it taken place over that period. And if it's profitable, if the holdout period results are similar to that that you got in your development training data, then your system is not likely overfitted. Combined with various cross-validation, holdout data integrity incentivizes building robust strategies for the live market. Because when we get to the end of our development cycle, we need our strategies to pass the holdout test. And to pass the holdout test, the strategies need to be robust. So this is a test for robustness. And to pass this final test for robustness, by logic, the systems have to be robust. And so that's where previously during your development, you're doing all these robustness testings that we talk about in our white paper, we talk about in our mentorship and in other parts of our blog. And so you develop the system, you test the system, make sure it's strong, and then at the very end, run it on that holdout data that behaves like a time machine. So with patience and the right perspective on how to use holdout data and keeping it pristine for that final test, you have the cornerstone to developing adaptable strategies that will be aligned with some fundamental undercurrent of the financial market that you've found to, that you're able to make money from. So hopefully that gives you a bit more of an insight into how we at Tiptoe Hippo treat our holdout data. It's vital, it's important, it's critical, it's the final most important step.
the lead up to it is all about producing systems that pass this holdout um, data test. So like I mentioned just a few minutes ago, if you want to find out more about these different robustness tests that we do leading up to this holdout test, go onto our website, look under the trading knowledge section, and you can download our white paper on the various different robustness tests. If you want to take your SQX trading a step further, we offer mentorship. And as part of that mentorship, we give you our workflow, which is the whole from go to woe. So you can click it and it'll just work. Um, that goes through all the different robustness tests that um, lead up to the holdout period. The exact same one that we use and the one that uh, we have our live trading systems on or developed through. So if that interests you, please sign up. If you have any questions about it, email us, jump on Discord. We're more than happy to go through it. We also have some videos on our website that go through what's in our mentorship and give you a sneak peek behind the curtains. But until next week, thank you very much for listening to our podcast and I look forward to talking to you then. Green Pips. Bye.